Hello! It's been so long since I've seen you all, my lovelies. It's time for paper movies. This episode, Matthew decided to be a square and not join us, but it's okay. We replaced him with an angry German named Noah. <laughs> it's an upgrade. <laughs> Hello, Adam. Hello, Jeremy. How are you? I am fantastic. Because this was the best birthday present I could get. We're talking about John Gardner's other James Bond movie novelization, License to Kill. Which, which was, I, it was his first novelization, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's incredibly more interesting than Goldeneye. Definitely. There's actual effort. Yeah. And Goldeneye... I, I think I gave Goldeneye a pretty positive review when we, we did that a few months ago. It was a fine novelization, but I'm glad we read that first. Otherwise, I think if we'd done it the way they came out, we would have all hated Goldeneye, like, a lot. Because this is so much better. So let me let me jump in here. Which, by the way, let's hold up all these printings here. Well, Adam's paperback and my paperback are the same because I think I bought three copies of License to Kill from the same store. This was actually from you. <laughs> yeah, and, and I gave I gave that one to Adam and I gave another one to Matthew. Then I found this the other day, which I didn't know there was a book club edition. And then what Noah has is the last print, the most recent printing, which is what the printing you'll find on uh, Kindle is, which I have to say that we've never gotten good covers for the John Gardner Bond books in general. These ones are the one that Noah has are like the best because they all match, but the German covers for most of Gardner, they didn't do it for all. I know I'm getting into the weeds here. Those are some good covers, but anyway, enough with the Dave Filoni talk. Let's get into what this book is about. Bond and his old pal Felix Leiter are heading to Felix's wedding when Felix gets the call that Franz Sanchez, a infamous drug dealer, is out of his uh, island of Isthmus, as I recall. That's how you pronounce it. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, he's uh, Sanchez is there to wrangle his gorgeous girlfriend who's cheating on him um, and teaching her a lesson with a stingray tail which we'll get to in a little bit um, and Felix is like this is the only chance we're going to get so he <laughs> bonded a bunch of DEA agents leave his the uh, limo to his wedding to go fly in a helicopter and chase Sanchez and they end up catching him. But Sanchez has everyone in his pocket and he escapes with the help of a corrupt cop and he takes his revenge on Felix and his new bride, sending Bond into not necessarily the first time he's gone uh, AWOL, gone rogue, but certainly the best time, as he teams up with our Bond girl, Pam, to destroy Sanchez and his cocaine empire. 
and we get a little bit of uh, Yo Jimbo or uh, a fistful of dollars with Bond going undercover as one of Sanchez's men and tricking him into killing his own people. It's just an awesome, awesome story. So we got to get into the weird thing about this book because it's sort of a sequel to the novels and sort of a movie novelization. Yeah. yeah. In the in the book, Felix has well, we should we gotta spoil Live a book about yeah. the fifties. Live and let die. Um Felix disagrees with something that ate him, and he is loses a leg and a part of his arm to a shark, or vice versa. I can't remember which off the top of my head. But he has a hook hand and he has a prosthetic leg. And in the books, the Fleming books. In the books. Yes. Um in, in John Gardner's books, if I'm not mistaken, too. Yeah, I think yeah. so. But we do retcon out because in early John Gardner books, Felix has a family. Mm. And yeah. they're they're not brought up in this. John Gardner doesn't bring his own canon up. Nope. He stays the Fleming canon, which is neat. And so, very confusing. It's a little confusing. I got used to it fairly quickly. You have to let go when reading any of these John Gardner books that they make any sort of timeline sense because it's like Bond didn't age through the 70s. It is about the same age he was at the end of the Fleming timeline. Yeah, there's still some stuff in here, especially with one character we can talk about because that's a major positive I have for the movie and the book. Yeah, let's let's get it. Okay, so what I like about the story for the movie, they take elements from a lot of Fleming stuff. Like, obviously, Felix getting attacked by the shark is from the Live and Let Die novel. And we also have a character in here, one of the bad guys, Milton Crest, who is this disgusting guy on his boat. Mm -hmm. He is taken directly from the short story, The Hildebrand Rarity. Yes. Which is a problem in this novelization, which pretends it takes place in this Fleming continuity, because Milton Crest was already a character, and he died in the short story. Yes, so the point of the Hildebrand rarity is not necessarily the story itself. It's Bond's dilemma with domestic violence in 1960, which is, and if it's his place to step in uh, with how a man treats his wife, because Milton Crest is a horrible human being. He beats his wife with a stingray tail. And he oh. acts like a tough guy. And that's where the Stingray tale comes in with Sanchez, which they didn't do in the book. Not in the book, in the movie, which I think was a missed opportunity. But I think it'd just be too weird for general audiences. This is already more violent than they were used to. Yeah, both yeah, these I mean, it was a little darker was, and more violent. As compared it was to almost an R rating. Yes, I... Didn't some of it have to be edited down? Yeah, because it was too much violence. And some some of the deaths in this are so graphic, like Mountain Crest getting decompressed. And Benicio del Toro. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. The cocaine cutter. 
which he's so gross. He's such a gross creature of a human being. They sent him on a nice honeymoon. <laughs> oh, and um, that's what he says in the film. But that was that was bad. That was sad. Yeah. But yeah, that was yeah. It's okay. Oh, which reminds me of my first like the first thing I noticed. Mm-hmm. What's changed in this novelization? We can spoil it. This is all spoilers for the movie. Yeah. The death of Felix's wife, Della. It's yeah. It's way yeah. more brutal in this book. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, it was like in the in the film, uh basically uh they just kind of uh, implied that like yeah, they did really bad things to her, like but you don't see it, but in this book, <laughs> like he goes into a little bit. Mm-hmm. He, he holds back a bit, and I did appreciate that because we didn't need graphic detail. This isn't a Stephen King book. We don't need to do crying because something horrible has happened in the first chapter of the book, basically. But um, I, I want to bring up something that I the one thing, my only complaint about this, because when when Felix had his false limbs, I'm like, oh my god, he's going to just lose the other leg and he's going to be in a wheelchair. That would have been interesting, but no, the shark happens to bite off both of his false limbs. I oh no! When I first read that, I'm just like, I was just like, wait. Wait, what? <laughs> like when I first read that, you know, he actually still had his um his his prosthetic limbs and they mentioned Mr. Big and everything. I'm just like, oh, I know what I'm talking about in this discussion. And it's just like <laughs> this book, they turned Felix getting mauled by a shark into a running gag. It's yeah. just like it's kind of like it's like a parody cartoon, The Adventures of Felix Slider, where every episode he ends up getting mauled by a shark after being captured by the villain. And I'm just like, oh. Yeah, and I mean, the chapter where it happens, it's even called Lightning Sometimes Strikes right. Twice. Twice, yeah. <laughs> and he, Bond literally says, Lightning's not supposed to strike twice, Sharky. Which I like there's more dialogue with Sharky in the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Sharky's an underused character in the movie. He's mainly used as a catalyst to um, have a horrible joke when Sharky's spoilers killed and hung up with a bunch of sharks. Like, yeah, his name was Sharky, too. Can you believe that? Bond Bond harpoons the dude. Mm Which I I want to want to take like a really something very different with the Bond character in the book as opposed to the the movie. There are more jokes that Bond says in the book than he does in the movie. The movie's a very serious thing. There's not a lot of one-liners and stuff in it. We Uh, have a bunch of little comedic moments i would say but they are like they fit with the tone and they are not like overly goofy or something they're not it's not roger moore no definitely not (laughs) this movie is in the same franchise as moonraker i know just let that sink and uh i mean same continuity yeah 
I was going to make a joke that No Time to Die exists. Yeah. Which I, I, I've just done that to torture Noah O'Hare. But uh, Adam, let's get into your opinion on this. I I enjoyed the novel. Um, like I said, it's a little bit darker. Like we get a little bit more uh, dis- description, like, you know, with Della's death scene. And um, I like that. You know, I kind of, uh, I think I remember, if I remember correctly, when we discussed Goldeneye, I was just like, it's like Gardner was trying to make Goldeneye into a, a Fleming-like novel. And then, like, now we get this, <laughs> where he's actually trying to connect it uh, to the Fleming Bond series, you know, yeah. just, um, thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I enjoyed the story. Um, I thought... John Gardner did a good job writing this book. Um, it was an easy read. Um, you know, you could, it took me a while to actually, or it took me some time to actually sit down and actually read it. But once I did, I managed to plow through it in uh, a couple of days, but it was a good uh, book. And it's actually, I, you know, was debating whether this story or the living daylights was my which one was my favorite of the two. And I think I actually like this one because I like the, uh, it's a new, it's a, it's a somewhat new type of story for Bond where he, um, it's more of a personal matter for him where, you know, it shows what all he's willing to do for a friend. And I like it. This is so weird. Cause uh, Noah and I do another, we do a Bond podcast called live and let's discuss. And our latest episode, which has not come out yet. Uh, we had Adam on, and we talked about On Her Majesty's Secret Service, another darker, different Bond story. And it's weird that we've just picked up like these two darker stories, but they don't. I want to say that neither of these wallows in it being broody and dark. It's not Spectre, for instance. Where Spectre wallows in, oh, we're so gritty and we're so dark. They just, they feel, these two, Honor Majesty's Secret Service and more so License to Kill, but both of them, they feel more grounded in reality. There's still the fantastical um, gadgets and stuff in License to Kill, because... Q becomes a really big character. It's his biggest role in all the whole series. I was gonna go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was gonna make a point about something. Go ahead. Um, to the point where in the novelization, Q actually has some additional scenes, which was great, which was fantastic. It actually filled a, a little plot hole in the movie. Yeah. I was gonna ask both of you because you've read more 007 books than I have. Um, have they ever like I if I'm not mistaken, they actually revealed Q's name in this book. Yes. Uh Major Boothroyd, I think his oh, name yeah. is. Major Boothroyd. Yeah, like uh and I don't think I've ever heard his actual name in any film or book. Okay, I now. can go ahead. Yeah, I, I, can, I can tell you the story. So Fleming wrote that Bond always carried a beretta in his early novels. A beretta. But then Exactly. And then a fan wrote in and said, Bond wouldn't use a Beretta. Why doesn't he use a Walter PPK? And the guy who wrote him this was named Jeffrey Boothroyd. 
Oh, nice. And then in Doctor No, Bond has this scene where he gets his Walter PPK. And we see this guy come in and give him the gun. And that's Major Boothroyd in the book and in the movie. And then he never shows up in the books again. But in the movies, Q, Desmond Llewellyn, the actor, first shows up in From Russia With Love, which is the second movie. And he also comes in just like the previous guy. And in the credits, Desmond Llewellyn is, you know, listed as Major Boothroyd. But then from Goldfinger onwards, they just call him Q, you know, Quartermaster. And in The Spy Who Loved Me, it's the first time since From Russia With Love that a character actually calls him Major Boothroyd on screen. Okay, I must have missed it in the film, but like when I just when I read that, I was just like, wait, did they just give Q's name? Because they don't say it in the film. Oh, they don't say it in the film? I thought he said No, that is... What, Not in, in License to Kill? No, in the book, yeah. They oh, do. the book, the book. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while just, since I read that. <laughs> just so you know, since you are rewatching the Roger Moore films, in Spy Who Loved Me, when Q gives Bond the new car, the submarine car, I think that's, that's that scene. The Bond girl comes in and says, "Like, good morning, Major Boothroyd." Oh, and that's okay. it. Um, but speaking of the Walther, like I also read, like noticed in this novelization, he has a new gun. Like he, uh, the P38K uh, or something, or K38, I can't remember. It's P38K, which like is a real gun. But, and uh, that's all because um, it's kind of uh, that's kind of interesting because assuming uh, he says like he prefers that gun over his original Walther, but if Goldeneye is canon to this, he goes back to the Walther, which was weird. Yeah, so a lot with both Gardner and Raymond Benson, they liked to change Bond's gun. I mean, in Benson's stuff, that he talks about him not even using a Walther brand gun. Like switch, I think he switches to the FN for a little while because in um, Blast from the Past, that's you know, my favorite Bond short story that we won't talk about on here because it's so awful he talks about how he's been using a different gun and he switched back to the ppk but i mean B benson eventually just switched him to the p was it the p99 or the ppq i thought it was the p90 well actually i i remember the p99 mentioned somewhere which is but, not yeah. really a thing anymore and the ppq sort of has taken over which is it's so weird I'm going off on a tangent, but he switches from a 380 to a nine millimeter, and it's not even like a compact gun. It's not, it's almost a full size pistol that he's tucking in the Brosnan era. It's like, what's the point? But uh, I'm, I digress. Um, but yeah, there's the there's the Walther P38, which is a full size Luger esque pistol. But I don't. I couldn't really. I w actually looked this up because it perplexed me so much, and I couldn't find a P thirty eight K because Bond. They don't really focus on Bond's gun in the movie for License to Kill. It's assumed he just has the PPK still. I mean, he gets taken away, 
by Sanchez in yeah. the in the casino scene, which is pretty pretty cool. I actually before I do this, uh, Noah, you haven't had a chance to give your thoughts about the book. Oh, I think the book is decent. It's good. It's definitely more interesting than Goldeneye. Like that's for sure. Yes. Because it adds in a lot of stuff. There are some deleted scenes from the movie in here, even. And the Fleming connection is interesting, as we said, but I think it's also kind of a problem, in a way. Because especially with Felix getting attacked by a shark twice, it's kind of with the exact same note. Is there the note? The, the, in the movie and in the book, I think. He disagreed with something that ate him. I don't think they're the notes in the book. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the... I don't think there's any note at all. I remember them referencing the the first note from Live and Let Die, but I don't think they left the same note twice. No. Uh, I don't remember it. Oh, okay. Still, that's... Okay. I mean, that, like I said, it's like to me, it's the only detriment. I, I also like that we get more of a backstory as to how Pam got the... Um, crop duster <laughs> which was unnecessary but like it was nice um we also get a little bit of backstory for our main villain Franz Sanchez mm -hmm. which I liked it's just one sentence but he says that he's like half German half what's the other thing called um Panamanian yeah oh oh yeah yeah, it's. Like I said it was a good book. It was. Um, I recently rewatched this film for like, and it's been a long time since I've seen it. And I was telling Noah about this. Yeah, I was just like, man, Dalton as Bond and the Dalton films in general are underrated. Oh, very. I think they're starting to get their deserved praise because the Craig stuff blatantly takes from them especially in tone but like doesn't know what to do with that tone but i remember also asking you at one time jeremy like it was like when you read the bond novels like do you like put a certain bond to the fleming novels and after seeing his performance you mentioned that uh when you read the books you if and if it's any of the bonds it's dalton yeah and, and after watching this film, I was just like, and reading the novelization, I mean, it helps, you know, with this picture on the, on the cover, but it's this, I mean, Dalton, you know, he was a good actor, you know, he was a very well-trained actor. And it's like, he put a lot of, you know, devotion and craft to the role. And well, he loved Fleming's books. Mm -hmm. He read them as a kid or like when he was like a teenager, um, and, and then he, he read them all again in preparation. In preparation for the Living Daylights. Which, That's research. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had. Well, he wanted to add something different because he was really worried he was going to like mimic one of like Connery or or. Yeah, he didn't like the Roger Moore era, which is we could have gotten Dalton earlier, but. Because, you know, after Moonraker, they did For You Eyes Only, obviously a more dark and grounded story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Roger's contract was up and they were looking for another Bond and they approached Dalton again. 
They already asked him once for majesties, but Dalton said, I'm too young. No. So they asked him about For Your Eyes Only, but they didn't have the script finished yet. And mm -hmm. Dalton was like, oh, this is going to be another goddamn Roger Moore-style extravaganza? No. Which is a shame. Yeah, but I, I, I will argue that that's Roger Moore's best Bond film. It is. I'm just saying we could have gotten Dalton earlier if they had finished the script and something to show him. Yeah, I, I always feel for Dal Dalton is the one Bond actor that really got along with the Broccoli's. The yeah. only one we can th we were talking about this the other night that seemed to have no problems with them. Yeah, he was at like Cubby Broccoli's funeral. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he, he was, in my opinion, done the most dirty out of all of them. They put him on hold for so long <laughs> that he ended up giving up before. I mean, it was legal stuff, which is always coming back to Plague Bond, and it's so weird. But he was willing to come back actually by like the early 90s, like 94 or something. Mm -hmm. He was still willing, but but he said, like, okay. I'm going to do one more movie, finish it off as a trilogy. And they said, nah, if we're going to bring Bond back now after this long wait, like you have to do more for this new generation. And he said, I just can't do this. Sorry. So, but they ended up getting Pierce Brosnan, who they wanted for Living Daylights initially. It's bizarre. I, um, there was a part in this book that I didn't in Gardner did it in Goldeneye too, but I'll, it was just, but first I'll ask, was there a part of this novelization that you guys just did not like? I mean, whether it just be, you know, Felix getting mauled again by a shark or. or... I, I, the, the mauling by the shark was a bit goofy, but other than that, I have no complaints really. Yeah. I mean, it is a solid story and he, adapts it really well, but yeah, trying to stay into Fleming's continuity is good in concept, but the idea that Bond goes for revenge for Felix, just for losing his fake limbs, is yeah. kind of... Uh, well, it's also his wife's horribly murdered. Oh yeah, that, that yeah. too. Which we should also talk about, since you mentioned we reviewed uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he can relate to that. There actually is more dialogue at the end with Felix and Bond that's actually more meaningful than in the movie. Yeah, There's yeah. No, no fishing joke, which my mom always brings up as a bad thing about the entire Bond franchise. It's like, my wife's dead, but it's okay because I can still fish with James Bond. And I'm like, Mom... <laughs> It's like his only hope at this point for normalcy. Um, yeah, you know, it was, I do, I'm actually looking at it right now because actually one of my complaints is on the last page, but um, I did like that, you know, Bond was trying to, you know, console him saying like, hey, you know, it's, it's going to be really rough, but it does get easier over time, but it's still, it's always going to be rough. Uh -huh. and but i thought that that was nice and you know i mean we get like in the films like the relationship between bond and felix you know they're i mean they're good friends but you know it's it's more from like a professional standpoint 
but it's just like this and like this story was like the first time you actually see um or like one of the first times that you see you know there's actually a, a friendship like an actual friendship go ahead i will say in the connery era they are they're buddies yeah yeah i mean but yeah but we have era, a... not as much and felix is barely in those the last time felix was in the james bond movie well not he wasn't living daylights we can get to that but the same actor who played him in license to kill played him before in live and let die and that was the last time he showed up in the roger moore films i think yeah yes and then we had this weird dude in living daylights who's so forgettable oh bland lighter yeah bland lighter i mean it's not i mean one of the funniest you know i you know going a little off topic the funniest intros was when you know in Thunderball, Felix goes, "Hey, double and he just like socks him in the stomach because you know someone was uh, spying on Bond in the room and everything. And Bond is like, "Oh, sorry, you were about to say 007. And then Bond says, "I'm 007, like right next to the guy. He didn't want to hear it, <laughs> so he just wanted to punch Felix, I guess. But okay, he... but so one one thing I have to say, no, yeah, yeah go ahead. Since since you mentioned it with the friendship of Bond and Felix, and I liked how it is done in this book. And especially at the end, like you said, this extra dialogue referencing Majesties and Bond, Bond's tragedy. It was a problem in the movies with Felix to even get this friendship because they kept changing the actor for some reason. Mm-hmm. And that already started in the Connery era. Yeah. They had the perfect Felix in Dr. No. Then and we had this had... weird old man in Goldfinger. and yeah, then Mad Lighter. Hmm. There's, yeah, Goldfinger's Felix Lighter's Dad Lighter, and uh, Living Daylight's his Bland Lighter. Yeah, that that's my that's my trademark labeling. So, but Gardner did this in Goldeneye, and he did it, and but uh, I should say he did it in this in the ending of this book, but he also did it again in the novelization of Goldeneye. He ended it with some like very you know cheesy ending you know like um like with with, yeah with the bond girl like with and, and goldeneye with natalia you know it, like he ended with bond needed no backup at that time and with this one um you know he kisses pam and then he says like why don't you wait until you're asked and then he goes then that, ask me i waited for this this was set up this is this a callback to a previous scene and it's in the movie. Okay, yeah, I just I, mean, I, I, I that it's rushed in the book. He like turns around and then like grabs her instead of jumping into a pool from a second from a balcony, which was which was better in the film, I would say. Uh, until the, the uh, fish statue winks, which makes no sense whatsoever. I don't know what that was about. Maybe just a, a little huh at the audience. Well, I mean, it's just kind of like a. It's like an ending of a 60s Superman cartoon where Superman would always go, you know. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, it's just like he did it. I don't know. It's, it's just the end of uh, Adam's favorite cartoon, James Bond Jr. Yep, you know it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I hate you, Jeremy. Um, That's reasonable. Um, but 
Yeah. Uh, I will say, though, uh, I think I was a little bit more intimidated by Dario in the film just because we had a face with it. And, you know, Benicio del Toro just went crazy. I mean, he's crazy in this novel, too, but it's just, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's just, there wasn't much time with Dario. And, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, anyway, you're yeah, that's, that, that's the thing in the movie for me with Dario, since he's the main henchman, he isn't given a lot to do. Mm-hmm. But I think Benicio del Toro does sell it as like this slimy, creepy dude. Yeah. Like we said, he has this one line. We gave her a nice honeymoon. That's not out. Well, and of course, his end. I think yeah. I, if I remember, yeah, I just there was a part where you kind of get like a little bit more into Dario. Like he's a bit narcissistic. Like uh, someone hits, I'm, like he makes this big deal. Of like nobody hits me. Nobody does that to me. You guys remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, because he gets kicked in the shin. Yes, that's in the it. Face. Um, also, he got kicked in the balls. <laughs> Did an earlier scene. Like he's real. He's real mad at Bond. Uh, was it Bond that did it, or I thought it was Pam for some reason? I know it doesn't matter. I mean, oh wait, Pam rescued him in the film. Yeah, I thought it. Um, but I, I will say, uh, Sanchez's end has more dialogue with it in the book. With the the this is for Felix and Della, <laughs> yeah, and they actually set up the lighter. The lighter's flame goes way too far, which they also set up in the movie. Do they? I don't remember. Yeah, when they first, you know, when Della and Felix first give him that, he's like, "Oh, that's a wonderful present." Turns it on, and then it's boom. There was a deleted scene, and part of it. Not the entire scene, but part of it is in this book, mm-hmm. where it's just Bond arrives in Isthmus mm-hmm. City, and he's in his hotel room or whatever, and he's watching the president of the country, and you know the president is getting getting greeted by the villain, Franz Sanchez, mm-hmm. and Bond yeah. is just watching, and the deleted scene is just him looking at it, you know, smoking, and then we see the lighter, he tries it, and it goes again, like in the middle of the movie to remind you that's a thing. Which I wish they would have kept it in because Dalton looks so cool in that deleted scene. Also, we got to bring up that in this point in the Gardner books, Bond's down to five cigarettes a day. Yeah. He doesn't smoke once in this story. <laughs> and then he stopped smoking by Goldeneye. Well, well, by tomorrow never dies. He he's like such a disgusting habit. Yeah, and then he smokes again and die another day. Oh, does does he smoke a cigar though? Yeah, yeah, but I would say it's similar enough to be like a hypocrite. Yeah, but it's a funny line in Tomorrow Never Dies. And he doesn't smoke ever in the Craig films. No, that's the one thing we had to change about this character. We also had to take any charm out of them. But anyway. Um, Should we well, talk about the main villain? I mean, a little we, bit? we did a little bit. Um, because I think Sanchez is... He's definitely one of my favorites. Yes, he, he's one of mine too. He has such a thing about trust. 
I was go ahead. And that that's something I found interesting. And he's not like conniving. He's not your typical Bond villain. Like, yeah. um, like I always think of Donald Pleasance as a Blofeld, where he's just acts evil. Sanchez does evil things, but in them. his mind, it's necessary for whatever twisted reason. Yeah, and uh, Robert Darby, the actor, mm-hmm. I think he read Casino Royale in preparation. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, okay. I think, and I think he said he wanted to do like the anti-Bond, like a you know evil version of Bond. Hmm. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, at least you know with Sanchez, like what you were saying, Jeremy. We didn't get Donald Pleasance going kill Bond now, you know, <laughs> and shooting a gun right next to a cat. So the cat freaks out and runs off the set, and they and leave can it. never work again. That, that 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 cat was on disability for a very long time. Um, but yeah, Sanchez as a villain, way too trusting. Like, and uh, like, I mean, it's I guess it's kind of like a a weakness and a strength for him. Like, you know, because he he admires loyalty, and he's. Yeah. And he even makes a point in the book that he's just like, he's like, everybody that works for me is a hundred percent loyal and everything. And um, it ends up being his downfall. Yeah. Because he's so used, he's so comfortable because he's bought everyone. And that's, that's what bond feeds off of. Can we talk about how this is like the first time bond is like completely gone rogue and not on a mission, but this is, but yet, this is the most actual spy stuff he has probably ever done, infiltrating the bad guy organization mm-hmm. like this, which, like you said, Jojimbo, Fistful of Dollars. And it's really awesome. He Bond murders, like, only a couple of his men at the start, mm-hmm. but then his whole plan turns around, and well, he destroys the organization from, from the inside. The whole thing that I really like about this story is Bond's unarmed. For most of it. I mean, we get the, the goofy ninja fight, which yeah. is completely unnecessary. Why they have to be, I guess it was because it's the 80s that they had, he had to fight ninjas again. And he has, he has the camera gun that can oh, only, yeah. which they rip off in, uh, in Skyfall with, it can only be read with his palm print. Oh yeah, in that scene when they rip it off in Skyfall, they also have a reference to live and let die for some reason. Yes. But uh anyway, um we can talk about that scene and which is similar to Honor Majesty's Secret Service, where he runs into another agent in the field with um the novel of Honor Majesties, where he's they're like, Yeah, you, like they recognize each other and the other agents like I'm taking you in, and then Sanchez like demolishes their hideout and kills everyone except for Bond because Bond's, Bond's chained to a table and is the most obviously the the smallest target for a ceiling to collapse onto and crush because they're firing a tank into a building. <laughs> Uh, physics you know yeah <laughs> but um I, 
I like I like that. It's interesting to see like that he he has to fully commit to being undercover, which is a callback to Honor Majesty's Secret Service, the novel, where he has to deny uh, when Blofeld captures another agent and has him like killed, basically. Mm-hmm. That he has to deny that he ever knew the guy. So intense. It could be a reference, also like Bond in Die Another Day says, "I know the I know the game and I know the risks and the rules are uh, no deals. You get caught and oh well." And so, kind of wondering if that was that line was supposed to be a tie-in to some of these events. It could be. Possible. I mean, Die Another Day referenced every previous movie. It was supposed to have Sean Connery show up. Uh, yeah. Uh, um. So yeah, it was. Uh, what would you guys? What would you guys rate this book? If you're ready to talk about grades or rating, I'm ready. Go for it. Five out of five. This is one of my favorite things we've read for the podcast. Um, it's so much better than The Predator. Definitely. Everything we've read was better than The Predator. Uh, I don't know. I, we've, I, I didn't like a few things that we've we've read for the podcast. Like, I don't know. Gremlins. Gremlins was kind of a slog. Halloween 2018 was kind of a slog, too. But The Predator... It was so terrible. It was bad. It was bad. Um, I mean, it told us a a very important life lesson that autism is the next step in human evolution. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't know how to characterize autism, but (laughs) it decided that. But I'll tell you what. When we do Noah as a paper movies podcast, we'll have to have Noah on there hosting. (laughs) Uh, but can I go to my rating now? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Okay, license to kill. I would also go with five out of five. It's not perfect. No. But I do really like it. I think that might be the best Gardner novel I have read so far. I have not read all of his stuff, half of it, but I mean, it helps that he got a good story to begin with yes and like we said there are certain scenes added in we didn't even talk about the extra Q scene at the end we mentioned it briefly yeah it's just Q has like a nice comedy scene with like the chief of police or something and they are raiding Sanchez's house which is not explained in the movie but at the end there's a party there and that's Elaborated on in the novel, which I liked. Yes. So it has, oh, and of course the the talk between Bond and Felix at the end. Yes. That was great. My only complaint would be tying it into the Fleming novels, mm-hmm. because while interesting and cool at first, it also makes it kind of silly, which is a problem. But I would say the good outweighed the bad in this case. 
Okay. So yeah, I would definitely recommend it, especially to anyone who liked the film. Definitely, you get a lot of extra stuff in here. Yeah. Adam. Uh, so, I give this book an A. Um, I've only read two Gardner Bond books. They're both novelizations. Um, this one was much better than GoldenEye, as we discuss. Um, I do recommend it. Um, like I said, even if you wanted to... Even if you haven't seen the film, like, you... It's a... Like like it uh, like I said, it's kind of a stretch, but you could you know read this as a novel, you know, like because it ties into the Fleming, you know, with Felix, you know, and the shark. But like I said, it's a stretch. But you know, he for the most part he did decent with it. But you know, even though it kind of made it seem like it's a running gag now, you know, with the lightning <laughs> striking place uh, strikes in the same place twice. Um, but it was well written, easy read. Like I said, you can you know get through it within a couple of days. So yeah, a. I, I was about to say I kind of wanted to make a joke. I guess Felix does only live twice. It was forming in my head, but I don't know if it works. It doesn't quite land, but I. I know. I know. All right. So. <laughs> What are we reading next? Well, Noah won't be joining us ever again until yeah. we do Noah. Yeah, I'll uh, just letting all of our listeners know that there will be another update video coming out. I actually forgot to make it because I was going to include this one. But so, yeah, September was uh, <laughs> License to Kill. But uh, I will be posting our next three um, books that we'll read for the rest of the year. Um, next Before month... Before we switch to seasonal, let's talk about that briefly. Um, Paper Movies is going to have some off time. Um, I know of in the next, probably beginning of 2022, we'll probably do an episode in January. But I think Adam's got some big things coming up that we won't discuss. But some very, very exciting good things coming out. And I'm just... I have way too many podcasts that I'm trying to catch up on right now where literally we Noah and I have a podcast called King of Our Nightmares and I haven't posted it to Spotify yet. Uh, but yeah, like uh, what Jeremy was saying, we uh, there's going to be some uh, updates with, you know, paper movies, like how we're going to distribute our episodes and everything. But we are. I, uh, we are also uh, planning on releasing one shots, which is just audio exclusive podcast to our uh, to our podcasting sites. Um, uh, I have the one that I'm going to do is just, you know, things kept, you know, I got a few things come up that I'll, you know, disclose um, later. But, um, uh, yeah. but yeah, I should have the novelization to Daredevil out very soon. And we will, of course, let all of you know when it's available for you guys to listen to. They're going to be very short um about 10 minutes about 10 minutes minutes, yeah Um, jeremy also has one coming out soon yes or platoon um and i do have to apologize to you guys i will not be releasing one for rambo 3 anytime soon due to political issues with america right now it's just not the time to release that so be patient with us that will be that is definitely on the docket for us to review as a proper paper movies episode maybe next season we don't we don't know yet we don't have any of that planned out and we barely just got the this year's final schedule done i think it was like 
three days ago. Uh, also, uh, me and Matthew had a couple of ideas for episodes for next season paper movies that we will, like I said, we will reveal this all in good time. Uh, probably, I don't know about this next update video, uh, but we're the me, Jeremy, and Matthew still have like to like just kind of get together and just kind of talk about plans. And then once we get everything settled, we will definitely let you guys know. But next month, uh, <laughs> sorry, um, for since last year we discussed the novelization to the 2018 Halloween, we thought it'd be a nice change of pace to talk about Halloween. Um, <laughs> oh, the, the wow. OG, yeah, the trail uh, of horror novelizations. We're yeah. we're diving in with a guest. Yes, um, and uh, we've already discussed it with him, and they are good to come on. There's plans that we're going to be bringing in the eighty slasher librarian, and uh, to join us for the discussion for the Halloween novelization. And just so that you guys are all, you know, before you guys ask, no, we do not have physical copies of it. <laughs> um, we none of us. Well, well, maybe uh, I was going to say. But you found copies of it. Well, 80s Slasher Librarian has an audiobook he's created for it. Yeah, I think he actually has a copy for it. That yeah. he, um, me, Jeremy, and Matthew have digital copies of it. Uh, well, because can I can I just say because Halloween is like impossible to get in English anymore. Yes, which is funny because I can buy it for like 10, 10 euros in paperback. <laughs> but it's German, correct? Yeah, of course. I mean, you can always learn German. So yeah, if you'd like to uh, read along with Halloween, um, you can find the Kindle version on uh, on uh, well, you can find the Kindle version on Kindle. I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yep. So next month we will be discussing the original Halloween novelization, and yeah, we're excited for all the new plans coming up, and just want to say. Jeremy, welcome back. Thank you. I missed it. Uh, we missed you having you, or we missed you on the channel. Like we hope that you enjoyed a nice break. I think. Uh, I think this was like the season where all three of us at least took a break. Like first, it was uh, no Matthew still hasn't done it. Oh, uh, now now he has. Yeah, uh, he wasn't supposed to though. That was a last minute thing that happened. Yeah, the first for Rambo, I took a break, and then That's for Man of Steel, you took a break, and then now for this month, Matthew took a break. So, um, but, but anyway, Noah, thanks so much for joining us on the stream, and be sure to go check out his channel, Quality Autism, and also check out he and Jeremy's other podcast, King of Our Nightmares, and Live and Let's Discuss appropriate yeah and this is kind of like uh live and let's discuss point one you know or point yeah two. we'll probably have you and matthew come on for license to kill but that will probably be in two years at this rate <laughs> <laughs> well anyone well anyway anyone thanks so much again for joining us we hope you enjoyed the episode and um we will uh we'll be keeping you guys updated on the future plans for paper movies very soon so be sure to go check out the facebook page and you guys have a good night yeah stay gucci everyone goodbye